Three years ago now, in what uh, now seems an entirely other historical era, I got very into the whole idea of the apocalypse. Um, specifically, I got very into watching videos on YouTube of doomsday preppers talking about the specific ways in which they were preparing for the collapse of civilization. These preppers, who were mostly conservative American men, were very focused on the notion that some major catastrophe was in the offing. Uh, a nuclear attack, uh, an asteroid strike, a terrorist hacker taking out the grid, often enough, in fact, a viral pandemic. I put in a lot of hours watching these videos uh, and reading forum posts and blogs and so on, in which these guys talked about um, tactical survival skills for civilizational collapse. Uh, so things like water filtration techniques, judicious uh, stockpiling of foodstuffs, securing your home from marauders and so on. I spent more time than was uh, sensible, probably, entertaining such scenarios, watching burly men lovingly itemizing the uh, contents of their bug out bags, air filtration masks, water purification supplies, first aid kits, uh, these bags which they had stocked and ready to go in the event of some catastrophe that would necessitate their uh, retreating to a secure location or bugging out into the wilderness. Even though it formed the germ of a book I would end up writing about apocalyptic anxieties and about the people preparing for the end of the world, my interest in such things was not entirely professional. Um, I had some pretty acute apocalyptic anxieties of my own, and in retrospect, this was clearly a way of externalizing them and of sort of giving them shape as a subject. I wasn't doing anything as practical as sourcing air filtration masks or water purification kits, but I was worried a lot. Uh, a lot of the time. And the prospect of climate catastrophe was increasingly imminent. The fabric of the global political order seemed to be fraying. Uh, and it seemed to me that some incalculable darkness was gathering on the horizon of the future. I'd be sitting on my couch uh, with my son and he would be watching cartoons about friendly anthropomorphized animals. And I'd be looking at my phone, watching footage of starving polar bears or reading news stories about how another species had just gone extinct or about how a chunk of ice the size of lower Manhattan had just broken off one of the ice caps or about the terrifying proliferation of antibiotic resistant diseases. And I would feel an overwhelming fear and guilt about the future he would be forced to live in. Part of this was probably just ordinary parental anxiety, but a lot of it was unavoidably the state of things, the world. I was aware of a tension uh, between two things, between my role as a parent and my role as a writer. As a parent, I felt this need to instill in my son a sense of the world as a beautiful place, a good place, um, a place um, where the future was a realm of possibility and life. But as a writer, I felt an obligation or a compulsion really um, to take account of the ways in which the world was not at all a good place and the future an overwhelmingly dark prospect. Both of these things felt true to me, equally and oppositely true. And so I wanted to work out that tension in the only way that seemed viable to me, by writing about it. I began, as I said, with the preppers, but then in the interest of furthering my own sort of dubious project of sublimation, I decided to stand up from my laptop and go out into the world in search of 
manifestations of those apocalyptic anxieties. And so I traveled to the prairies of South Dakota, where a real estate entrepreneur whose business specialized in uh, luxury apocalypse bunkers was attempting to create the world's largest so-called survival community. This was as chilling a vision of a possible future as I could have imagined. A vast tract of prairie farmland, once a US military munitions storage facility, dotted with over 500 reinforced steel and concrete domes, which had been built for keeping bombs in during the Second World War, and were now being sold off as survival shelters uh, for about $35,000 each. This place was being built as the place from which civilization would be rebuilt. In the wake of civilizational collapse, I was told, its perimeters would be patrolled by a private army ready to defend its lavishly prepared denizens against the unprepared hordes who would be trying to make their way in. And this seemed to me like a surreal symbol of the inequalities that currently existed in our world, a nightmarish image of the psychic trajectory of terminal stage capitalism. And I went to New Zealand, a country at that time viewed by the tech elite of Silicon Valley as a safe retreat in the event of civilizational collapse because of its abundant supplies of clean and fresh water, its low population density, its geographical location at the bottom of the world, and its uh, stable political structures. In New Zealand's South Island, I visited, or to be strictly accurate, trespassed on, uh, a former sheep station recently purchased as an apocalyptic retreat by the billionaire uh, tech entrepreneur Peter Thiel, who founded, uh, amongst other companies, PayPal. And a man who has publicly expressed the opinion that democracy and capitalism might no longer be compatible. I also went to Los Angeles to attend a conference on Mars colonization, uh, where I encountered people who were convinced that humanity needed a so-called backup planet, uh, an entire other world uh, on which civilization might be replicated should humanity be wiped out on Earth due to um, an asteroid strike or some other catastrophe. And common to all of these visions of the end of the world was what I came to think of as an ethos of escape. They were all about uh, the survival of the few. Uh, and all of these people seemed to me um, like extreme metaphors for capitalist individualism, which is to say um, that all these ideas and people were more interesting to me as representations of the present than as prophecies of the apocalypse, these scenarios. Uh, and that's the thing about the apocalypse. The first thing to be said about the word apocalypse, in fact, is that in the original Greek, it means an uncovering or literally a revelation. And our imaginations of the apocalypse uncover and reveal uh, much more about the present, its anxieties and its obsessions, uh, than they do about any uh, possible future. So it's an idea, the apocalypse, that recurs again and again throughout history, and which rears its head in particular during times of unusual turbulence, in which the world seems to be changing at an unsustainable rate, uh, and from which vantage point the future looks unbearably dark and unknowable. I'm no scholar of religion, but my, uh, in my not very sort of educated view, it seems to me that the book of Revelation has a lot more to tell us about the time in which it was written, the religious persecutions and political upheavals and so on, than it does about the actual future. Now, obviously, there is a strong element of dramatic irony at play here. There's an elephant-shaped virus in the room, in other words. And look, I like a bit of dramatic irony as much as the next person. But the fact is, the timing of my book's publication uh, just last week is, I would say, a little excessive. 
you wouldn't dare put this situation in a novel because you'd be laughed out of it by even the most tolerant of readers. The reason I'm talking into my laptop from my spare room in Dublin and not standing on a stage in Notting Hill is that the apocalyptic event, for want of a better term, uh, or some version of it, has happened. So you can imagine that some of these people uh, who I wrote about might be feeling a little smug right now, and with some justification. You can imagine that the private jets may already have left for the luxury survival shelters, wherever they are. You can imagine that Mars colonization enthusiasts might be reminding themselves that social distancing would not be necessary on a planet with no atmosphere where coronavirus couldn't survive and where everyone wears a spacesuit anyway. So they were right in a sense. But there is one sense in which the apocalyptic vision of the future I so often encountered when I was writing the book has not come to pass. Again and again, I saw people whose primary apocalyptic anxiety that were looked at from a slightly different perspective, primary apocalyptic fantasy, was not the asteroid impact or the nuclear attack or the viral outbreak per se, but rather the prospect of what such an event might do to the structures undergirding our civilization. Because for so many of these people, civilization was a fragile construct. Society was, for these people, no more than a paper-thin veneer of behavioral norms overlaid across a roiling abyss of human nature. A human nature which was, at its heart, violent and animalistic. There's one sense in which the current apocalypse is, in fact, somewhat apocalyptic. In the original Greek sense I mentioned just now, a sense of revelation, of uncovering. The world itself is being revealed with a startling and surreal clarity. Much of what's being revealed is ugly. The rot of inequality in the bones of our societies, the lethal inefficiency of free market capitalism, the bewildering cruelty and stupidity of many of the people in positions of apparent leadership. But there are beautiful things uh, that are being revealed right now too, with great clarity and force. And of these, the one that gives me the most hope in this sad and somewhat scary time, is that despite the damage done by the presiding ideology of individualism, there remains a determination to act out of a sense of shared purpose. Preppers, like the super rich with their plans to fly to secure and remote locations in their private jets, are isolating themselves out of pure self-protection, out of a sense that other people are fundamentally threatening. But this paradigm is completely inverted under the conditions created by the current pandemic. Those of us who are bugging in, to use the prepper term, who are keeping a wary distance from each other, are doing so not because we see other people as a threat to be avoided, but because we understand that our fates are inseparable from those of other people. And this, to me, is a definition of civilization. And so, if this is an apocalypse, it's one that reveals things that might give us some hope for the future. Thank you.